back to another episode of Jonah and Ben Play Board Games with Friends. I am Jonah, joined as always by my co-host Ben. Hello, hello. And today we are joined by a good friend of ours, Nadia. Welcome to the show, Nadia. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So Nadia, what have you been up to since we haven't seen you, or at least I haven't seen you in over a year? (laughs) Oh man, it has been so crazy. So um, every Friday night, I try to get together with a group of friends uh, to play D&D. And obviously because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to. Uh, get together in person so we've been trying virtual things and instead of Dungeons and Dragons we've switched over to Among Us and Jackbox and Jackbox is great yeah we love Trivia Murder Party Mm. oh that's the best one that's a scary one (laughs) you really get like I mean the way that they murder you is like or like the little video clips they show it's creepy like Did all you, the screaming. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> Did you see there's going to be another Jackbox party pack, like eight or whatever, coming out this summer? Yeah, yeah it should be that. eight. I don't know how they keep coming up with these games. Well, a lot of them are recycled games because, you know, there's right. like Quiplash 3. Quip <laughs> exactly. Well, no, 3 now. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Drawful 2, which is not even in the party pack. It's its own separate game. Mm-hmm. But they must be making a killing during this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Jackbox is the thing that stuck, that and Among Us? Mm-hmm. And Among Us is getting a new map at the end of this month? Yeah. You know, I haven't played it still. What? Well, maybe we'll both get invites to this Among Us game when all is said and done. You know that we game every Friday. How am I supposed to join you if I don't know where you're hosting said game? It's on Discord, the part one that you're a part of. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> The Dork House one. I'm not in it. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Wow. Friendships uh. ended live <laughs> on the podcast. Friendship ended with Nadia. Jonah is my new best friend. Oh, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Ben all is right. a rare meme. Oh, boy. Well, I want to let you know real quick. I have seen Nadia within the last year. We met in the parking lot of a Target so that I could give her a game that we both ordered on Kickstarter. Give and her a to me. game. I know, like, way listening. to make that sound shady. <laughs> I know, I made it sound shady on purpose. But no, I uh, D6, uh, Dungeons, Dice, Dames, Danger, and Dodge. Something else, I don't know. Six Ds that they put into the name. But uh, yeah, we both ordered it on Kickstarter, and uh, I ordered it to myself, and uh, both copies. And we met in the Target parking lot, and I gave her... Yeah. We're going to need to meet in the Target parking lot again so that I can grab Cthulhu Wars and play it again. Yes. Absolutely. Is that Something. done being painted? Almost. Oh, no, we, we are going to get it done. No, Paul and I actually had this discussion yesterday. We're like, Jonah, it's, Jonah with the heavy hitting question. It's been two years and it's all on Paul and I. All on Paul and I. And it was Look, just. I didn't bring it up for that reason. I no. promise you. No, but Paul and I have actually been talking about it, and like we're just like this is absolutely disgraceful. I mean, like Paul is a a fantastic painter. He's just you slow as are. I don't know what. <laughs> slow as molasses. And I I want to say I want to say first off, I appreciate that you're still willing to not make me pay you a lot because the guy that I'm paying, and if he's listening, so be it. The guy that I'm still paying for my Kingdom Death Monster miniatures is also two years overdue. 
And yeah, so Ben's used to having stuff yeah, gone for so many this years. Isn't, this, isn't, this isn't the biggest deal in the world. This is uh, because, of course. Though, to be fair, that guy did, he did finally get back to me and say that I'm not, I've been patient. Oh my God, of course I've been patient. I canceled two other commissions in the meantime. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have been patient and that I don't need to pay him the remainder of my painting fee, which is great. So that's nice, but also it's two years late and I want my painted minis back. Yeah. Maybe Nadia and Paul will say you've been patient as well. Well, well, I mean, he's not paying us, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why I wasn't saying it. But you don't like, have to pay the rest of the fee, Ben. But okay, the, the difference is if I lived close to that guy, I could say, hey, can I grab like the complete, like not painted, but can I grab the built minis to play my game? So like at least I live close enough to Nadia and Paul to say, hey, meet me shadily a target in a Target parking two, right? lot <laughs> and bring Cthulhu Wars so that, you know, bring me a giant a pelican black briefcase, <laughs> exchange it with me in a dark Target parking lot so no one knows what's going on and then I can play this game with my friends. So it's at least possible for me to get the game and play it while they have it. That's the big difference. And, like, the thing with the Target parking lot is that I Ben apparently didn't know that I work, like, 15 minutes from where he lives. Didn't like, he it. just found that out, even though I've been working there for, like, 12 years. Yeah, so. <laughs> so. Come yeah. on, Ben. So I have seen Nadia. Long story short, I've seen Nadia within the last year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I haven't, so it's good to see you now. <laughs> Virtually. Virtually, at least. Um, well, okay, now, so Jackbox, I mean... Among Us, any other interesting new pursuits in the last year no i mean i bought paul a fancy new drone for um for christmas one of the phantom threes cool yeah and i bought well i mean i bought myself my fancy uh mirrored dslr um the canon 70d i mean i mean it's old but it's new to me yeah that's Um, awesome my brother said i could pick through his old cameras that he's got laying in the storage unit and then when I went and went in and I grabbed, he had an old, I guess he had it just laying around, but he had like an old 1DS just like sitting wow. in the, and I'm like, oh, this one's mine. He's like, no, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, but, the, but you said I could pick through the box. And he's like, yeah, I didn't know that was in the box. <laughs> Jonah, for reference, a 1D is like top tier or it was top it tier. Means $1. Uh, it means $1 times like 3000 it's like yeah, just I know, for the, the body. The camera yeah. world is it's wild. He's he's actually talking about getting new lenses and um I mean, it is his job, so at least he can like write stuff off for business purposes in terms of taxes, but it's still nuts when a lens alone is like over a grand. It's wild. That's a small lens too. Like uh, I was looking whoa. at um yeah. I was looking at some lenses that you know, or four or five, if if you oh, want yeah. the telephoto, like yep. like a really nice telephoto. Yep. I mean, he's um, got his four hundred millimeter bigger than my head mm-hmm. lens. Now, look, we're into whole different hobbies now, Jonah. This podcast really <laughs> diversifies. It's great. You know, I was watching a video a few months ago on the cameras they use for like broadcasts and sports and stuff. And they were showing these, you know, three or four hundred thousand dollar cameras that they use for this and all the stuff that you can do. It was a really interesting video. It was talking about why they need to use a camera that expensive. And it was just talking about all the features in it. Pretty neat. 
Well, I think one of the more fascinating things, not more fascinating, I apologize, because that was just flat out rude. Um, but, <laughs> what you're saying but is like, neat, but here's what's actually neat. I'm so sorry. glad Nadia's come on this show. <laughs> but like, what's another another fascinating uh, thing is that actually with a bunch of YouTubers and vloggers, they don't use video cameras anymore. They use these DSLRs and just, right. you know, use that to film with a fuzzy so mic. many things yeah with a fuzzy mic and the big you know lights um and i don't know it's crazy that like video cameras have almost become obsolete like you know unless you're doing a big televised or filmmaking quality video right yeah you know just for like plain old youtube people don't use video cameras anymore yeah i mean i know i was trying to find one of the only reason i was picking through his slr box which sounds ridiculous but again remember this is his job so that's why he has slrs just laying around in the storage unit but the reason i was like picking through his box because i was looking for one that did video so that i could take it out because i wanted to record myself disc golfing so that i could like work on my form and stuff and i don't have a video camera and i don't want to hook up my phone because i feel like i get better i would get better video out of an slr than my phone what phone do you have I mean, I have the new iPhone, the 12, so I probably would get a, I mean, I do get a decent enough video. That's what I've been using, but I just, I wanted the ability to like zoom in and it to be like way sharper than what the phone can do. Um, but I think the only one in, in that box that had video was the 1D or one of the ones he didn't want me to take. So no luck there, but I do want a mirrorless camera at some point, but I can't. We have a mirrorless camera. Is it? a camera that you don't take a photo in a mirror with is that a joke or you... it's not a joke we have an olympus oh. omd em10 it's a mirrorless camera i never know with you jonah zuiko lens i think is what it's called oh yeah i, w- I mean they're way smaller than the dslrs so that's like, why we got it super except sweet. the lens is not it's kind of fat yeah. anyway we have a camera nice. <laughs> i don't i use his cameras or he Smart. uses his cameras and takes photos of the things I want taken photo, photos taken of. Well, you know what's more fascinating than uh, cameras, Ben? <laughs> Board games. Board games, yeah. <laughs> so, Nadia, as our resident fascinating expert, why don't you tell us what games got you into the hobby and what type of games you like to play now, since it's your first time on the episode show? So, I've been playing games for a very long time i mean my mom maybe this is a a, an african-american or or a black american thing but i learned how to play the card game spades at like the age four you know um and was constantly playing with family we did dominoes um and then as i got a little bit older my mom still played board games with me so we played a lot of the classics so monopoly and um I was never good at chess <laughs> um, and like Chinese checkers. And then the after school program uh, taught me, oh, what's the one with like the little beads and you have them in like the cups and you go around. It's like Mancala. Yeah, Mancala. Yeah, Mancala. Um, so then like the after school program taught me that. And then when I was in high school is when I learned how to play D&D. Mm. Um, and we played D&D regularly and my house was always the house that hosted it in high school and even now I still host D&D um and then 
you know, we I feel like there was kind of a board game renaissance within the past eight years. Yeah, definitely. And then it has now exploded. So I love all types of games. I'm not super into the heavy, heavy, heavy board games. Um, mostly due to focus. You know, if, if the board game's going to last four hours, I need a break in there. You need to be um, rolling dice the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> or or something. Um, I'm not going to be playing Twilight Imperium anytime soon. You'll host um, it. <laughs> yeah, I'll host it. Because I think I've played a game at your house. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, but other than that, though, you know, I like Arcadia Quest. I like, um, let's see, Terra Arcadia Mystica. Arcadia Quest was the first game we ever played together. Was it? Yes, and I made it last two plus hours. Yes, that is right, because that was the thing. I told Ben, I was like, listen, we'll play a game of Arcadia Quest. It lasts like an hour tops. You know, it's a nice, quick, fast dungeon crawler with miniatures. And like three hours later, Ben's like, you said it would last an hour. I'm like, normally it does. And you're the only one that it has lasted this long with. Yep, yep. <laughs> Seems to be my curse. I make games last longer. Um, but I love card games, board games. I love all types of games. Wonderful. And Paul, someone else who lives with you, what's your relationship with Paul? He is my husband. So yeah, your husband does play some of those games. So I played Twilight Imperium at your house with him. And I think you were saying Terra Mystica. I know Paul quite likes Terra Mystica, right? Paul loves Terra Mystica. Yeah. So you have the heavier side of the spectrum with him and the medium and lighter side with you. Yep. And then and even the next Miles generation. plays. Yeah. yeah. Even my son Miles plays board games. I mean, he plays Arcade Quest with us. Um, we do a lot of Haba games with him. Haba's a, a board game company. Yeah, I want to play more Haba games. I always see all their games and think they look like a lot of fun. They really are. And then I played, um, is it, it was it called Monopoly Gamer? Was that the one with the Mario Kart? Yes. Game? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I played that with Miles um, and a few other people, and he he beat us pretty handily, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed that. That was cool. Um, and then just really quick note about your D&D game. I'm pretty sure that my character is still stuck in a cave somewhere. Yeah. Because I, I came one time to their D&D session like years ago, and I ended up in a cave, and then I haven't made it back since so i'm pretty sure my person's still in a cave maybe there's a society down there now yeah i might have started <laughs> one who knows so yeah that was fun with the kobolds you know be yep. like hey i'm now your leader yeah yep well it's maybe funny. after the pandemic we can find out about this caveman maybe <laughs> who knows the world the world may change both in the cave and out of the cave it's beautiful what a great allegory. Right? <laughs> anyway, Nadia, since we know what you like to play, why don't you tell us what you've played lately? Let's see. Well, right now we are in the middle of a campaign of Arcadia Quest. Um, if you don't know, Arcadia Quest is a bunch of smaller games that should last an hour, an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's about six of them that, that you play over the course of the campaign. So... Paul, Miles, and I are finishing up our second run-through of the campaign because we have a bunch of expansions for it. Um, We have the Inferno expansion, and we have the Pets expansion. And then I think we're just playing just the classic base game right now. Mm -hmm. 
Um, another game which we have miniatures to paint oh, for. Yes. yes. Miniatures. I think that was my first introduction to miniatures. <laughs> was when I played Arcane Quest. Whoa. So this is my life is your fault. Nadia, you're Nadia. responsible for all uh, of this? Probably. It's not surprising. <laughs> Man. Not surprising at all. Yeah. Fun story I, about I, how I, I met s- Ben. Oh, wait, sorry. really quick. I will say that I had fun playing Arcadia Quest. It is I, a fun game. I did enjoy it. I just was surprised at how long I managed to make it go. So, especially for the first, the first yeah. like game of the campaign really shouldn't last longer than forty-five yes, it was, minutes. It was the first game of a campaign, so it's oh, like the intro-ish really, game. Yeah. All you needed to do was like kill a minotaur or something. And it was like, it took forever. I was like, we can't do this. It's and I don't impossible. know why. I don't know why. I don't know. But it's, it's never fine. happened again. Yeah, we played this game with so many groups of people. It's never happened again. Only with yeah, Ben. That's okay. It Ben's happens. bad luck. <laughs> Maybe. But sorry, I I you were going to say you. how yeah. you met? Oh, yeah, how I met Ben. So we have this board games and brews at Lone Eagle Brewery in Flemington. And... I'm like, I don't know that guy. He's now going to be my friend. And I walked up to him. I'm like, you're my friend now. And he's like, okay. Yep. And then that was just it. Yep. That was the fun story. But really fun story about how I actually started going to What's a more fun story? (laughs) Yeah, a more fun. A more more fun story, not sorry, Nadia, um, was how I actually ended up going to Lone Eagle. So I was like kind of semi fresh out of college maybe fresh like off the a, wagon maybe like six ye- six years maybe like six months out of college or so and i was like looking for things to do and um one of my friends was like oh we should play board games uh so we played board games like not at lone eagle obviously and then i was like wow this is really fun i want to find more people to do this with and i went on reddit and i was trying to find like local meetups and i was like having not great luck finding any and then i went to the new jersey subreddit and i searched board games and there was one that was like just about a month old there was a post that was like oh board game night at lone eagle brewery and it was the very first one that they had done that was like a month old and i messaged them like i don't know if this is still a thing or if it was like a one off thing but like can anybody just come and why not and i'm pretty sure that i had messaged paul i'm pretty sure it was paul no it was mike it was mike yes it was mike uh, and he's like no it's it's a regular thing and the next one's like tomorrow or something i'm like oh cool okay and then that was when i went there and then i was there so early that i played like a game and a half of bananagrams before anybody else showed up uh Solo? I, were you were you a part of that nadia i don't think you were it might have been val and uh Lindsay. yeah i don't think maybe. i was there for a bananagram but yeah i was there so early it was terrifying uh it wasn't that scary but i was there like so early that there were only like four people there and eventually there were like 40 people there um it was wild so but yeah i found them on reddit and i was like i thought it was a one-off thing and i just messaged somebody and then that's how jonah and i met through reddit as well that's right. Nadia, do you know our origin, origin story? story? I do Whoa, not. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was like in stereo. It's pretty funny. So someone posted on the New Jersey subreddit. No, someone posted on the board game yeah, subreddit. Yeah, the board game subreddit. The, you know, many million subscriber board game subreddit and said, uh, I want to play some board games and make new friends, but I have a tough time meeting new people, so I don't want to go to any large meetups. 
uh, is there a small group that I can join? And In New Jersey. They just happened to be in New Jersey. And Ben commented and said, you can join our group. And I was like, can I join that group too? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I went over and joined that group. The original poster never showed up. Or messaged me back. So... <laughs> Because at that point, it wasn't the Lone Eagle group. It was like a completely separate group of friends that I had met. And it was like four or five people. So I'm like, maybe four or five people would be a nice size meetup for this person. Mm -hmm. And they never messaged me at all. And then Jonah came and we met at Rutgers University um, in the cafeteria. That's right. And then after that, that group kind of broke off into separate little groups. And then Jonah and I we're friends wait how did a group of four or five break up in a well, separate it, little group because <laughs> because just going off by your own. <laughs> no yeah well it eventually was like me and jonah and then the other group kind of like knew each other and then there was like one little floater in the middle i mm-hmm. guess is that chris which is, which is chris yeah chris, chris is like Mo. the floater yeah they just kind of came and went when they pleased um but the other two kind of knew each other from the start and we're just like inviting people to like play games with them so it was really like Two, one, two. So it was like five people, I guess, if you... Math checks out. Yeah, math checks out. Okay. That's our origin story for all of those listening. Now everyone's caught up 40 episodes later. Yeah, right? We probably should have said in episode one how we met. (laughs) Like, So, like, was this while you were both still in college or after college? After. After. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, this was after I had gone to Lone Eagle for a bit. I yeah, just met some oh, okay. people who weren't going to Lone Eagle. I don't remember when it was, but I yeah. think it was 2018 because we had yeah. just moved to New Jersey and we had gone to PAX together. Well, That's we right. drove to PAX together. Oh man, that was yeah. that we'll was. We'll talk the about year. that soon when we talk yeah. about board game conventions. Yeah, Nadia's topic of choice. But what we're talking about now is supposed to be games we've played recently. <laughs> so Ben, why don't you take a stab at that? Sure. Um, and I'm going to try and remember, so I'm going to pull out my BG stats app, but while I'm pulling up my BG stats app, um, I also received a couple of games or got a couple of new games that I would like to, um, announce to the world announce slash play, uh, because that's how the world works. I want to play the games I own. Um, I did order, um, so I seemingly have a job offer coming in. Um, so it hasn't officially come in yet. Well, I also got my stimulus check, so I was like, the combination of having a job offer coming in plus a stimulus check, I was like, okay, I'll buy the games that I was looking at when I didn't have a job that I wanted. So I uh, bought uh, Rococo Deluxe, which uh, just came in yesterday, and I'm excited to try that one out. Um, What's that game about, Ben? That game is about uh, tailoring gowns, dresses, and suits and stuff for people who are going to a ball. So you're trying to make outfits for people going to a party. But you can also get points by like sponsoring the construction of statues outside of the mansion or catering food to the party goers, etc. Um, so it looks really neat. And they really deluxified this one. Um, it's by they Eagle put Griffin deluxe Games. in the title, so I'd hope. Yeah, they did. Um, so I'm excited to give that one a shot. Uh, I also ordered the second edition of uh, Camel Up. Um, now the I reason, yeah, that's great. Me too. It's so we good. We played that this past week. I have to thank Jonah for introducing me to that game. Oh, did I introduce you to it? You did. And I bought it recently. All right. Um, did you get the second edition as well? 
I think so. With the little the, expansion with the palm. No. Wait, oh, wait the, the, the pop up palm tree. So the first edition had an expansion. Yeah, so you definitely have the first edition. Okay, so yeah, so I have the the expansion. Is the pyramid plastic? Yes. Oh, then you might have the second edition. Did did you have to assemble the pyramid? No, it was just like a little... Then yeah, that's the second edition. That's the second edition. Anyway, you have Camelot. Anyway, anyway, we will talk about Camelot in a minute because we played camel up this past week and i love this game i think it's so much fun it is a lot um, of fun. and then uh i also got in my kickstarter version of steampunk rally fusion oh steampunk we're gonna rally. we're gonna discuss that too because we played that um and i was at barnes and noble yesterday um so i was down in cherry hill i'm half vaccinated now fun fact um, me too they got the top half of you right okay. yes they got the top half of me um, I cried a lot, so that was fun. Did you um, really? Yeah, I'm terrified of needles, so it was a nightmare. Um, but for all those listening who might also be terrified of needles, honest to God, this one, I didn't feel at all. This was the easiest needle I've ever had to get shoved into my arm. But Where did they do it? Was it in the Target parking lot? or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. I only meet Nadia in Target parking lots, Jonah. <laughs> to exchange no, big it was, briefcases. It was at a Rite Aid, um, but it was terrifying. But that's okay. Um, but then we uh, went to Barnes & Noble, which is down there uh, afterwards. Actually, Barnes & Noble is everywhere. Well, there was a specific one down. You know what? I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. <laughs> no. But there was one down there. And I knew that they were having sales on board games because I had seen posts online. So I went in to look at them, and they had a copy of Abomination, Heir of Frankenstein for $25. And I honestly, I don't know like a ton about the game. So I know, Jonah, you sent me a review that was not great, but other people... I sent people, you two reviews. Well, I, first off, I don't know what geek buddies are. I don't understand. Um, but, but... I'll explain um, it shortly. The, the game looked neat, and I was like, for 25 bucks, I was like, I'll give it a shot. So it wasn't like, you know, I was... It wasn't the worst thing in the world. So I figured I'd give it a shot. So I haven't played that yet. But now that I've looked at my BG Stats app, I know what I've played in the last week. And <clears throat> uh, in the last week, uh, Jonah and I, we discussed when we met up for Tokyo Metro, Azul, and Food Chain. So things since then, we did play Camel Up. Uh, and my brother joined. Uh, my Ooh. brother is not a big gamer, but he's a big but gambler. But he is a gambler. <laughs> And uh, camel up, you are betting on camels and the positions they're going to finish in a race and you're trying to earn the most money. So he heard the word betting and ran down the stairs. Uh, no, I'm kidding. If he he doesn't listen, but if he's listening through the door or whatever, he's not. It's it's mostly a joke. Uh, mostly. Don't but, hurt me, brother, please. Yeah, that's what I'm getting from you. right um, now. But uh, camel up was uh, is always a good bit of fun. You have like this pyramid that you put dice in. And it's like a uh, you press like a button on the side in the second edition. You don't have to assemble it. But in the first edition, it's like an assembled pyramid with like rubber bands that you got to push. It's a janky contraption in the first edition. (laughs) Yes, 100 percent. But I ended up winning that game, which was neat. Uh, Jonah came in second and I smashed my brother, which is always a good time because it never happens. Um, And then we also the same day played Steampunk Rally Fusion, which was a. Another race game. But first, Second we have to let Nadia game. talk about her love for Camel Up. 
Okay, yes. And then we can okay. talk about the controversy surrounding the name. Okay, fine. Yes. And then wait, and then we'll get into Steampunk Rally because Nadia also has Well, Steampunk on that. Rally. Yes. <laughs> All right, so Camel Up. Um so when I bought it, the the second edition. The second edition, I guess. <laughs> the uh board game store owner was like, "Oh, actually now I'm going to forget. Like one is Camel Up and then the expansion is Camel or the first Camel one is Camel Up, and there's a giant C, and then next to the giant C, it says Amel Up. So it's Camel Cup or Camel Up. Intentionally ambiguous. Yeah, so he said that it's Camel Up, and then their expansion, quote-unquote, is Camel Cup. There is the Camel Up expansion, which is the Super Cup, though. There is an actual expansion to the first edition. Oh, I don't have the Super Cup. Because it's not compatible with the second edition. Well, okay. I don't know what edition I have. I bought bought the board game, all right? I'm just just letting you... The only reason I bought the board game at all was because I needed to hit the free shipping threshold on Miniature Market. So I was also ordering the new Candlekeep Mysteries D&D Adventure book. So I needed to get that extra up to hit free shipping (laughs) and like we don't need to talk about this board game but like you were talking about buying board games for cheap yesterday paul and i were able to snag formula d for 15 dollars Ooh, i want to brand new copy the formula deal yeah um but yeah invite me to the night so i can sorry my husband is now handing me the box I don't know Paul, where it's the second edition. Oh, it's yeah, it's Camel Up in the second edition. Yeah, that's, that the is ambiguity. the second edition. So sad. Yeah, and then Camel Cup the is C. something else. All right, yes. so yes, yes. Okay, we do have the three D pop up palm tree. Yeah, so this one literally has like a pop up book when you op- fold open the board, a big ass palm tree. Oopsie, sorry, a big palm tree pops up out of the board. That wasn't even me. Yeah, I know. Family, family, family show. Eh. Family friendly. Hey, that, that word's on the radio, so I'm not gonna. It is on it. the radio. Actually, there's a lot of words on the radio. Yeah. Um, Jonah, we should expand our vocabulary. <laughs> uh, no, maybe. no, don't because this big, okay, this big butt palm tree pops out of the board when you fold it open, and it's so cool. I was like, literally, I didn't know that that was a thing because I didn't look oh, at yeah, the back of the awesome. box, and I opened the board for the first time, and I was like, holy. Mm. Holy like, camel! Is... And then Holy Jared came. Camel. Then Jared came running down the stairs and was like, "Whoa!" It was like I'm not exaggerating. It was really cool. So. But yeah, it really reminds me of it's a I think oh, a, no. a better version of long shot, like of just where you need to, you know, you you don't own a particular camel. You're just betting on the camels, you know, racing around. Um, yep. So with my little expansion, it adds the black and white camel. Yes. That go the right, opposite yeah. way. Yeah, they go backwards. I haven't they go played the, the second edition that you have since we're so big on talking about editions right now. But, you know, the, the one that I have doesn't have that camel. And I'm wondering how it plays with that camel. It sounds a little interesting. It is super fun and makes it super crazy. So the black and white camel start at the finish line and they go the other way. And if a camel lands on top of the black or white camel, the, they'll bring them backwards. Yeah. If the black and white camel is moving backwards and they land on a minus one, 
do they go towards the start line or towards the finish line? Towards the finish line. Because oh, okay. that is where they came from, so that yeah. is backwards for them. Mm-hmm. Neat. Yeah, I was reading the rules, They've but I hadn't tried it yet. <laughs> I will say, um, I don't remember the publisher, but I want to just say in a direct message to them who will never Eggert hear Spiel? it. Okay, is that who it is? Eggert Spiel? I think so. Well, Eggert Spiel, Correct. I just want to let you know. <laughs> Why do I know, I know that? <laughs> I know you're never going to listen to this, but stop the orange hate. Put, leave orange in the game. They took the orange camel out of the game and made it red. I it's was the same color for me. I was mad. Oh. I was like, "Where's the orange camel?" And it's gone. I am but, not gonna say the uh, board game company because uh, I don't want to put them on blast like this. But no, we played they're with not the. Gonna listen, so put them on blast. No, no, no. But but we played with the owner of the company. And like oh. we're like, hey, uh, why is there never purple? And he said he got mad at one of his employees because she beat him at a game and her favorite color was purple. So he vowed from that point on to never, ever put purple as a choice. I actually really like that. In his well, games. When we played Public Market and the the publishers were teaching us the game, I was like, oh, I guess I'll take red because it's the closest color to orange that you have in this game. <laughs> So, hey, people in their colors, it, you know, it's a thing. But yeah, they removed orange and they also, white was a camel in the first edition as well. But now that it's one of the crazy camels, I think it's now blue, red, yellow, purple, green. and green are the colors of the camels now. Hmm. So, yeah, but that's camel up. There it second, is. That's how you yeah, have to pronounce it. Second edition. Um, and then we played another racing game, Jonah, my brother and I, and that was steampunk rally, but we played steampunk rally fusion, which is the new Kickstarter. Um, and the difference is you play in like different locations and instead of the draft order, just being a token that potentially flips, um, mm -hmm. cause you draft, you draft machine parts at the beginning of each round. Um, there are now like, depending on the map you play, there are artifact cards that when you draw out artifact cards, it can change the order that the draft goes and those artifacts will give bonuses or detriments to the players that land on those artifact spaces, um, which we played wrong, but that was my fault. But also it was the first game any of us had played of steampunk rally. You're supposed to draw the artifact card and put it down next to that location on the map. So when anybody else goes through it, something, if they land in that spot and end there, something could happen to them too but we were just giving the bonuses. It's like a one-time bonus to the people who activated it and then getting rid of the artifact card. So we messed it up. Um, but I don't think it changed too much of the game in general. And I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. And Jonah, I am going to hear your thoughts for the very first time. I know you're not in love with dice chucking games. My thoughts for the very first time. So I'm unsure. You haven't what been listening thoughts... this whole podcast. <laughs> you didn't talk about steampunk rally. <laughs> yet um so i don't know your thoughts because i know you're not in love with dice chucking games but i thought this was a lot of fun uh, my brother also told me he really liked it um and he also told me he really liked camel up which is one of the reasons why i added it to my order because anytime i can find a game that he i know he would like i just get it because it's fun to play um and the the only thing that i wasn't in love with but jonah and i did have a minor discussion about this the other day 
was something that kind of happens in a lot of games, which is like on the very last turn or when you know the last turn's coming, you're essentially just trying to min-max. So I wasn't in love with the fact that pretty much the entire last turn, the entire last draft was spent just selling off the cards that you get to try and get dice to activate your machine. Like, it didn't feel like the last turn had a meaningful draft at all because it was just sell, sell, get the sell, resources. sell. Here are my dice so that I can try and move further um, and win this race. But other than that, I thought it was really neat. And I'd, I'd never played it before, but I'd heard pretty good things. I liked it. I liked the building of the machine. I liked having to activate it. The one thing that I think we did wrong, which probably would have helped, especially helped my brother because he's not like a huge gamer, is I think you're supposed to activate your machine parts one by one, but we were trying to do it all in, all at once. So we were like, add up all of the movements you're going to get from this piece and then add it to the movements you're going to get from this piece and then add it to this. So at one point he had like 10 movements, but we were like trying to remember everything he had to do. So I was helping him out. But I think it would have been a lot easier if we just individually activated the machine parts and did that and then activated the next one. But Well, it depends on it. how well you build your engine. I mean, it is a dice chucking game as or is is that the term that that you use dice chucking yes. but it's really a literal engine builder yes so i'm i have not played fusion so i don't know how these uh, fusion dice the 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 standard version works against the fusion version but um you know it's it for for the standard version you do play everything at the same time and it's just how well did you build your engine? Oh, no, I just meant more in terms of like adding up all of the things you're going to get to do. I think it would have right. helped him going one by one and then moving and then moving to the next machine. Because having to say like, oh, I was able to double up the use of this machine part. And then also this one and then having to like add up all of the movements together. He's not great at math. Well, no, but that's, I think, where the fusion part comes in, because nothing like that would ever happen in the standard version. So, like, we don't double up. Oh, so that wasn't a rule in the first one? Like, if you, if it needs a three to move, but you roll a six, you don't Oh, get oh, movements. sorry, I misunderstood what No, what that's meant. what, that's what I meant. So, like, oh, okay. having to worry you. about the pips on the dice and all of that stuff, I think just activating each part that can do something instead of trying to add up all of your potential options would have made it less confusing for him. Gotcha. But now we know for the future. So, yeah. do, 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 do. The more you know. <laughs> I also thought the um, the venting yes. was a little weird to me. Only because The only thing that was weird about that was if there are still dice left in those spots from the previous round, and you are adding new ones, you don't add the leftover ones that are clogging up your machine to the new count for how far you move or how much whatever you do. But how do you keep track of all of your new dice in each different machine part? I I felt like that was kind of hard to do because they're clogging up the spots, yeah. but they're clogging it up with a number that you're trying to ignore when you're adding these other numbers and dividing this other number into. I just felt it was a little cluttered there. But yeah, it was fine. I don't know. It is, in fact, not my type of game, but there was nothing wrong with it. It was fun. It was enjoyable. Yep. And then the next game we played that day, we tried two other games that day, 
but we only played a bit of both of them. Uh, the next one was Trick Shot, which I've talked about at length. Uh, it's a hockey board game, just for those who haven't listened in a while, or Nadia. Um, it's a it's a hockey board game, so it's like a it's kind of like a miniatures game where you're trying to like move in the right direction, but it's a push your luck based board game. So you're adding dice to your pool every time you want to do a new action. Ooh, I do love press your luck games. Yeah, so we played one period of uh, Trick Shot because we wanted to move on to a bigger game. But uh, Jonah, what did you think of the one period of Trick Shot? You're not going to like what I have to say, Ben. That's okay. Uh, so I have zero knowledge of hockey, which I think affected my thoughts on the game. So you're a hockey super fan, you know, yes. big fan of the New Jersey Devils. Shut up. And <laughs> don't, don't do this to me. <laughs> Oh, God. My skin. It's crawling. Oh, what do you like? The Long Islanders or something? Oh, my God. If you the say Maple Philly... Leafs? Okay, that's okay. If you say Philly next, I'm going to... Flyers? Penguins? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the New York Rangers, everybody. The Orioles? <laughs> I actually like the Orioles. The Camden Yards is a beautiful stadium. Yeah, it's a great hockey team. Uh, nice anyway, uh, trick shot. So I don't know a lot about hockey, which I think yep. affected my enjoyment of it. I didn't have the love for the sport that it was based on to buoy my enjoyment of the game. Um, I felt like it was kind of 50% downtime, which I guess technically any two-player game you play is going to be 50% downtime. Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was even more so apparent in this because... You're like taking turns watching someone do a bunch of actions in a row, which feels different from one action, one action, one action, one action. Mm -hmm. So to me, watching someone do four or five things in a row is less exciting than the back and forth single action in a lot of two-player games. And then the other thing is scoring a goal just like... It's so hard. In real hockey and soccer and all of these sports is difficult. Yeah. And the fact that I experienced heavy downtime without the reward, it wasn't great for me. Yeah. I I will say, and I think I've said it in the past, that scoring a goal in this game is very difficult. And I think it's a little too hard, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not sure how I would house rule it to make it a little easier. Right. I think they went for realism with yeah. the movement and the passing and the yep. shooting. So, yep. I think personally they did a, a good job representing hockey, but I would definitely see if you don't have that love of hockey to kind of like bolster your gameplay, how it might not be for everybody. Um, I will say, I do think it was a little odd. Like, in terms of the downtime, not that it changes much, but there are reactions that can happen where you right. like react. We didn't have a lot of reactions. Like sometimes J- when Jared and I are playing, like we'll get a reaction on every die roll. So we're like really like moving people around. So that that was actually a bit of a surprise. But again, that's the nature of a dice roller game. So you don't really know what's coming. Um, but I'm not mad that you didn't love it. That's fine. Um, but the big one that we tried to play and again, I know that you didn't love it, uh, was uh, Kanban EV uh, by Vital Lacerda. Um, and this is what, your your third attempt at a Lacerda game? Your fourth attempt at a Lacerda game? It is my third 
Lacerda game that I have played. I have yeah. played Lisboa three and a quarter or two and a half times. I don't know. One time that we played Lisboa, we like forgot the rules a lot since the previous time we played it because there is nothing in a Lacerda game that would possibly allow you to remember the rules like some other games might let you do. And uh, we just kind of... Can you say BS on a radio? Yeah. We just kind of BS'd our way through the whole game. And it was a ton of fun with no one knowing what they were doing in this huge yeah. system of nonsense. But I am officially... I'm not going to say a hater because I... I harbor no ill will a towards the man. strong disliker. But I am the opposite of a fanboy for Lacerda. If I see that the game is made by him, I just won't play it. I officially don't need to try a Lacerda game ever again. What I have the other tried games? Lisboa and The Gallerist. Oh. Every and also a, a, also a, a one round of Kanban EV. Oh yeah. Kanban EV is what we played. Yes. And I was talking about this with Jake. Jake from, not State, State Farm. Farm, but Australia. Because <laughs> um, Jake owns Lisboa, and I think he's played Escape Plan as well. He said Escape Plan was good. I know you've played it played it, and enjoyed it as well, Ben. Yes. Um, there is a board game called Feudum that is well known for the rules video basically looking like a comedy sketch. Because it's just, here's this strange rule, here's this strange rule, here's this, here's this, here's this. And the video just goes on and on, and it never ends, and it's just this absurd game that they're teaching. I felt exactly the same way watching the official, well, Paul Grogan's How to Play Kanban. Yeah, we sat down on the couch and watched this right before we played the game. It was, And we it was still like were comedy. using the rule book multiple times to try and get through the game. Yeah, so it's just every single little thing in the game has to have five rules attached to it. And I don't know... Look, I appreciate the systems that he creates because if you understand what is happening in these games, which I do not, and that's, you know, it's fine if that's a reflection on me. It really is. But if you understand what's happening in these games... I'm sure it's really neat to see these 45 systems interlocking. It is really but, neat. But if you can't get three of them to make sense in your head, what do you do with the other 40? <laughs> you think about them. Wait, what happened to the other two? Well, you can't even count that high. You're trying to figure out the other systems. So, long story short, we were a little rushed for time, so we didn't... Uh, and Jonah was having Uber Eats problems while we were trying to get this to work. Um, I am an Uber Eats hater. Yeah, so am I. Officially. Um, so we they lost tried two to of my this. orders, Nadia. But yeah. we can continue about board games. <laughs> yeah, it's Uber Eats sucks, man. I'm just gonna say it. Um, but yeah, so then I will say I was up very late that night and I watched a full playthrough, like another group of two people doing a legit playthrough, not a rules teach. I can never Kanban. do that. I I can't watch other people. I was watching a full playthrough. You're watching of that right now. EV, <laughs> and it was so easy. I felt like an absolute idiot trying to play it earlier, but like watching someone else play it and like seeing it actually in motion. Yeah, I mean, NBA players so have a really easy time getting the ball in the hoop. Easy. I know, right? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, well, I could watch someone pitch a baseball no, at 100 miles an hour, but. 
but I'm saying like I feel like I could go play this game right now and get it. Well, there's a solo mode, so hop on downstairs. <laughs> yeah. So all I'm trying to say is I want to play it again. I'm really looking forward to trying it again because I would say I'm a fanboy at this point, even though I've only played the Gallerist Escape Plan and now part of Kanban. Um, I do own On Mars as well, uh, and I want to play Lisboa and Vinos just to try them. Um, I don't think I've played any of these games. Bigger games. Well, they're very no need. games. There's, so there's no need. So Jonah's really going to enjoy the episode that we have when Val comes on because we're making it our Lesser Day episode. Oh dear. Yeah. Don't mind um, me. I apologize. No. Jo- <laughs> I never mind you, Nadia. Um, so Jonah's going to enjoy that episode, but he will be the voice of, I guess you could call it the voice of treason or reason, Look. however you think about it. While Nadia and I fanboy over Vita Lacerda games. Uh, I'll be like Nadia, Val. Val. Yeah, you two are the same in my eyes. <laughs> Obviously. You're both, my, you're both my friends and we play <laughs> games together a lot. So it's all the same. Whatever. Um, oh, so Vinos is is a game that I constantly get confused with. Um, Viticulture? Viticulture. Yeah, yes. they're the same game in my brain as well. One <laughs> just a lot easier than the other by one. Lacerda. I've played Viticulture. I've also played Viticulture. I have not played. I don't even drink, but I enjoy Viticulture. Not that you need to drink to play these games. I think the only game you need to drink to play is Red Dragon Inn, because people just turn it into a drinking game. Well, you don't have to drive to play Kanban. That's true, but I do drive. Uh, I don't drink and drive, because I don't drink, but I drive. I mean, no one should drink and drive. I agree. Don't do it. That is the worst thing ever. (laughs) Don't drink and play Kanban either, because I don't think you'll understand what's going on even more. Well, you said that the mod on Tabletop Simulator has Chinese player aids, and yes. I responded to you and said that would probably make more sense to me than the game that we played. Yeah. So, Long story short, yet again, we tried Kanban EV and didn't successfully get through it, but then I watched a playthrough and I think it looks easy enough and I would like to try it again sometime. Also, and there's then... a very poorly written oh, points scoring card in there yes. that irked me. So I've, I've let come me up explain with a way, the situation. No, I understand. I, when it. you're done, I will come. I will tell you the way that I've processed it in my head and why, like how I know what the right way is. He's gonna I, mansplain it to you. Yes. Oh, that's fine. That's ben, fine. Ben, I've been mansplained too many times. So there are meetings that you have with Sandra. Also, I really like the idea of the game. It's really cool. Yes. You're like working at a car factory. And there's this woman, Sandra, following you around with a clipboard and getting really angry at you doing a crappy job. And then you have meetings and you decide what to talk about and you bring up some points and you say, look at how great I am at painting this car. And look at how great I am at knowing two of these interlocking systems and all this nonsense. (laughs) I think that's really cool and fun. It's a shame the game is crap. Um, So these scoring cards. uh, I am insulted. That's fine. You can hate all of my games and it's fine. So these scoring cards will have some speech bubbles on the left that'll say 1x, 2x, and maybe even 3x. And these speech bubbles are things that you can get from 20 other systems that you don't need to worry about right now. You'll get a speech bubble. It'll come to you as a white speech bubble. And then at the end of your turn, you'll exchange that white speech bubble for your own color speech bubble. And then at a later point, you exchange that color speech bubble for a point. It's nonsense. Anyway, so you have these cards with 1x, 2x, maybe 3x. And it is... The ability to score what is on that card one time or two times or even three times. So if you go sooner in the meeting order and you want to blab about how great you are at painting, 
you would take the 3x spot to really score higher than the 2x spot. Easy, makes sense even for my feeble brain. I got a card that said something about a car in Garage 1 and a car in Garage 2. And, you know, all of these games have tons of iconography, so you have to check the reference book to see what that card actually means. I have no qualms with that. Pretty much every game I own has iconography, and you have to check the reference book at first. In the reference book, it says, so there's the spot for Garage 1 and the spot for Garage 2, and it says four points for each car in Garage 1 or 2, or Garage 1 and slash or 2. I thought that if I have a car in Garage 1 and a car in Garage 2, that would be eight points, at which point a 2x speech bubble would be 16 points. Because to me, four points for each car means four points for each car. And then you would do that twice. But what it really means is, do you have a car in Garage 1 or Garage 2? If the answer is yes, you get four points. And if you want to get more than four points, take the 2x so you can answer that question twice. That is confusing. Yes. So the way that I have come to realize it is, is... You take the multi. Yes, I know. I do that a lot and I don't know how to get around it. But the way that I've come to realize these cards work is you take the highest multiple in the speech bubble that's available and the point value that the card is worth and you multiply them. That's the most points you can get. Oh, of course. But the wording is horrible. I agree with you. I do agree with you. Like once you explained what you were saying, I agree because we were looking up what it meant. And I think the real problem was it said four points each and then and or. I think if it just said four points for a car. If you have a car. If you have a car in garage one. I think the hard part about this game in terms of the speech bubbles is it's really like that's how many times you can possibly score the points on the bottom of the card. But then when you look up the reference to the card, it has like a full explanation that just confuses you more. Right. If you can master the other 43 systems, like we said, then that one's going to be Jonah's anger is coming through. So let's move on to the (laughs) next. I sound angry. Well, no, but like Jonah, no, no, no. But in Jonah's defense, you can't have the word and, and not allow you to add both garage. I'm like, this is as someone as a complete outsider. If it says garage one and two, that means you want me to, you know, quantify both garages. Don't put the word and in there. I'm it's one find, or two. I'm going to find the exact card. Give me a second. It says four points for each. While you search for the exact card, I'll talk you about talk the game about the next that I weekend. played. Talk about the next weekend as well. When I you're played games it. without you, Ben. I know, but aside from those, <laughs> talk about the next weekend as well. The next weekend. Uh, we played Anachrony Fractures of Time. So Anachrony is a big, sprawling mind clash game with time travel. That's really neat. And the expansion came in from Kickstarter a few months ago now, probably. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to give it a go now that we're playing some games in person again, thanks to uh, Pfizer. You, you being vaccinated. Right. So uh, we tried Anachrony Fractures of Time, and the additions to this game are a new worker type. So normally there is the engineer, the scientist, the genius, and the administrator. The genius being the person who can do any of the other three jobs. And this adds the operator, which works with the new sideboard, which is the valley. And on this 
sideboard of the valley, you can get operators and some flux cores. And what you can do, so this is a worker placement game. In normal worker placement games, once you put your worker out there, they're there for the rest of the turn. But in this expansion, you can use these flux cores and these operator workers to blink and move a worker to another spot on the board and take another action with them. So I thought that was quite neat, and I would definitely like to play it again soon. The issue with this game is I think it is approaching too much stuff with this expansion. So I think if we played Anachrony very recently and then played this, it would be more manageable. So maybe we should play Fractures of Time again soon to see how much stuff it really does add. But not only is it a lot of stuff in the game, it's a lot of physical stuff. So Anachrony is already a huge, huge table hog. Each person's player board is probably 7 inches by 10 inches. The main board is huge with a bunch of stuff above it, under it, to the left of it, to the right of it. And with this expansion, you add another board to the right of the main board that is a little smaller but still another board and each player adds another board to their player boards that is like eight inches by three inches and it's just ridiculous so the how game many people good. can it play four and you need a huge table to play it at four i have a normal dining table and it was a tight fit for the two of us. So yeah, that's an acrony fractures of time. I do. I just really quick want to add in. I do agree. I think the blinking is sweet, but I think it just for once, I think it just added too much stuff to a game. Like I really liked it and I wish that I could blink without having to add a full board and all that stuff. To, right. Like every section of the game. But I thought that that was a neat mechanic that they added. I, I liked that. Mm hmm. Another game that I played... Oh, no. We're doing the weekend first. We played Claustrophobia 1643. Claustrophobia 1643 is a 1v1 asymmetrical uh, dice chucker dungeon escaper, not dungeon crawler. Uh, one person is playing as the demons and one person is playing as the humans. The humans are trying to escape by exploring the map so you start with a center tile and then you explore out kind of like uh blind jumping in shia yep and you try <laughs> and find your way out exactly <laughs> try and find your way out expose the demons to the sun maybe that's how you can win at this and there were some neat systems in it i played as the humans ben played as the demons it is weighted heavily towards the demons i was quite lucky in the first half with the map tiles that came out because it made it really difficult for Ben to spawn in his demons. Mm -hmm. But once the demons came in, they just uh, walloped me. Yeah. So that was the weekend. Also, I can't find you can't find this reference book online. I would have to run downstairs, but I'll we'll talk about it next week or something. All right. To be continued for that. Yes. Um, so that was claustrophobia 1643. Um, it was better than I expected, but not to beat a dead horse. It's a dice chucker, which isn't my preferred game style. So it was cool. I liked the action selection with the dice. You know, you'll roll four dice as a human, and you decide which human gets which number, 
and then each human has different values associated associated with that number and skills so pretty cool the demons looked like some serious overhead so you want to talk about that ben yeah uh you get like a big dashboard and you have six dice and you roll the dice and each section of this dashboard will let you perform a certain action but you need to meet a certain threshold on each action with those dice. Um, so each turn you roll three. And for example, Jonah mentioned how it was difficult for me to bring demons in uh, and spawn them at the beginning because of the map tiles. So demons cannot come in if a human player is on that tile. They cannot come into a tile that is a dead end. So in the beginning, Jonah was on like every tile or every tile was a dead end. So it was hard for me to spawn demons. There are skills on my dashboard where they are called Intrepid Charge or Sneaky Charge. And a Sneaky Charge would let me come into a dead end. So that's what I used first. You roll three dice on your turn in your prep phase as a demon, three of the six. And the numbers are either red or white. And they are numbered one through three. But the red ones don't have numbers on them because it's impossible to read. It is difficult to read because it's red and black. So it's like the contrast isn't great. But each die has red one, two, three, or black, or red one, two, three, or white one, two, three. For a sneaky charge, you just need to meet or exceed an eight on your dice. But to do that, you obviously need, yeah, the sum. So obviously to do that in one turn, all three of your dice need to be, you need a three, three, two, or a three, three, three. So it's hard to do that in one turn. So if you don't meet that threshold, you can bank your dice for the next turn and use them for the next turn. But obviously that wastes your ability to bring demons in where you want them. Um, There are other ones where you can just exchange one die and whatever the number on the die is, you get to draw these like, I'm going to call them fate cards because it's easier to call them fate cards. And they let you do certain actions. Um, Then you also need to assign dice to your individual monsters to give them certain stats. So like I was able to bring in a hellhound But if I didn't assign a die to the Hellhound, they didn't have any base attack or movement. So I would need to waste a die to move my Hellhound around, um, etc. But it was still pretty neat. um, And I really enjoyed it. I think my brother will like it, which, as I mentioned earlier, is always a good thing because he likes player versus player games. Um, I thought it was cool. Um, I just I would like to uh, preface. I don't think. It's going to sound like my preference for games is dice chuckers. I don't think it's that fine I, if it is. I don't think it is, though, I, which is again, it is fine if it is. It just happens to be that a lot of games I own seem to have dice in them. I don't think who's it's buying these games. I'm buying them, but like I buy all different sorts of games. Like just because I have a some have dice. I don't know. I feel like I had like a wide range of games, but a lot of them do have dice in them. Now that I think about it, I would think but, a majority of games have dice in them. Yeah, like, it's not bad. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying this one, you rolled the dice, but like what was cool, for example, was there's, I know we looked through the demon stack at the end, but there are scenarios in this game and each one might have like a different demon. So I had the hunter demon. And what was cool about the hunter is they gain more attack power. The more damaged the person they are fighting is. It's very scary. It was really cool. So like in the beginning, they only roll one attack die. So they're like really weak. But by the end, when I've covered four of Jonah's attack lines on his player and he only has, you know, he has four hits against him, 
I'm rolling five dice against that person. So like it builds up. Um, but I thought it was neat. I don't think there was that much overhead. It was just like, what do I want to do here? And I ignore, I almost completely ignored two actions entirely just because I was rolling dice that fit other actions better. Um, but I want to play it again. I think again, my brother will like it. So I had a good time. I thought it was fun. And there's not that many minis in this game. So I'm going to try and paint them myself at some point. Um, I think it'll be a fun activity because there's only like, I think there's like 25 minis. So it's not like not that many minis, 25. (laughs) Well, okay. when when the game that I want painted the most is Mythic Battles Pantheon and there are 257 minis, 25 doesn't seem like a lot. So God, it is. I mean, it is a lot, but it's not more than I could paint. Yeah. So but yeah, no, that was that weekend. So what other games did you play that didn't involve me, Jonah? I have two that I'll talk about very briefly. And then. Nadia, I will shift it over to you so you can talk about our game of the week. Okay. Uh, so the first game that I want to talk about is Chinatown. Have either of you played Chinatown? I have not. I am awful with the actual names of board games, so mm. maybe. <laughs> so Nadia, I think this is a game that you would quite like, Then I think you would enjoy it as well. Um, but Chinatown is this game where everyone is... So the theme of the game is... Uh, immigrants are coming over from China and you're the family of Chinese people and you're trying to build up uh, some businesses. And it's barely that theme. But what happens is you just have a like grid of buildings in New York, in Manhattan, in Chinatown, one could say. And you will be dealt out lots. So it's just like a grid numbered 1 through 89. And there are some blocks with roads separating it. So they're kind of different buildings, of course. And then you have spots in each building. So you get dealt out a lot and you'll put your ownership marker on those lots. You'll be dealt six and then you keep four of them. And then after that, you are dealt building tiles. And these building tiles will be like a dim sum place, a laundry place, a takeout place, um, a factory, a tea house, and an antique shop. I think those are the different types. Either way, what you're doing is you're going to be putting these buildings in your lots and they will generate money for you and a tea shop needs to have three adjacent tea shops to be complete so each building type has a bunch of tiles and what you're doing is you're negotiating with the other players to try and get the building types you want and the spots that you want so everyone's going to be drawing out these um locations on the map these lots and then you might buy one of those lots from an opponent so you can build your orthogonally adjacent pieces together because a complete set of a tea house or a tea shop whatever will generate more money than an incomplete set so this whole game you're just kind of negotiating with the other players and trying to buy lots and anything can be exchanged so you can say i'll give you twenty thousand dollars and a tea house for those two spots and your fish shop, you know, something like that. So it's this fun, fast, loose negotiating game where you're just trying to get the most money by the end of it. And it played surprisingly well online. You know, this is a very above-the-table negotiation game, which tend not to work great online, especially compared to in-person, because, you know, it's much more fun to be across the table from someone else and say, you know, give me that, I'll give you this, move this here and all that stuff. But then 
in Discord, where there is one voice channel, you can't really talk over anyone. Whereas in person, you can have two side-by-side -side conversations, you know, in a four-player game. So it was affected a little bit by that, but pretty enjoyable game. It only takes like an hour to play, maybe even 45 minutes. Unless Ben is playing. Right. Wow. I feel attacked today. <laughs> and Shut Up and Sit Down actually have a great video about it as well, where they can really sell you on the game. So that is Chinatown. I recommend checking it out. Uh, the other game that I played is Raw. R-A. It is an auction game by Dr. Reiner Knizia. The man, the myth, the legend, the man with over 600 designed board games. The absolute lunatic. Even though, as I say every time I mention him, 300 of them are re-implementations of the other 300. But still. Um, so Raw is an auction game, and it is actually widely regarded as being maybe the best auction game there is. Ooh. Yeah. So I can actually explain it really quickly as well, which is great. In Raw you have this kind of closed economy because the money you have are actually just tokens. So you will have tokens numbered 1 through 13 in a three-player game, and each person will have four different tokens. So like 13, 8, 5, 2, then someone else will have 1, 4, 10, 11, whatever. So some tiles will come out of the bag, and on your turn you can either draw a tile you can call an auction or you can exchange a special tile you might have ownership of with another tile that's in the market. If a red tile is ever drawn out of the bag, an, an auction automatically happens. And otherwise, if you call an auction, you just you know go around in a normal auction, bid on the tiles that came out, and there's some set collection to it. What's really interesting is this economy in there is just these tokens you have. So if I want to bid, let's say I'll put out the six. And if someone wants to beat the six, obviously they just have to put out a higher number. What's really interesting is one of these tokens is going to be in the middle. And when you win a bid, you get all of the tiles and your winning bid replaces, or you get the number in the middle and your winning bid replaces that bid. So if I bid a 3 for a bunch of tiles, but I will get the 12 for next round, that could be a really great bid, because now I have a high number that's going to win an auction almost guaranteed next round. So you have to balance the set collection of the tiles that are coming out of the bag with the auction tiles that you're also kind of bidding on to win future aisles, tiles, not aisles, with the push-your-luck of pulling things out of the bag. Because once you draw a certain number of red tiles, the round ends and you count up the points. And there are three rounds to the game. And you can play this game in like 30 minutes, 30 or 40 minutes, which is great for an auction game. And it's just really an interesting design. And I can totally see why Knizia is respected. Have I heard correctly, just really quick before we move into the game of the week, have I heard correctly, I don't know if you read this, that Ra is one of the Euro classics or something and they're all getting discontinued? So I think Z-Man Games has a line called the Euro classics. Yeah. And 
I don't know if Raw is on that list. It wouldn't surprise me if it I did see were. Raw on there. Yeah. So. so Raw came out in 1999, so it is definitely a classic board game. Uh, and yeah, Z-Man Games is basically saying, these games aren't selling that well, so we're just going to stop printing them. Okay. And, you know, if the market has shifted, the market has shifted. Yep. But it is, I think, a really interesting game that if you ever want to try an auction game, you should really check out. Okay. All right, that is Raw and Chinatown. So now, Nadia, why don't you tell us what game you chose for our Game of the Week, and also tell us what the game's about. All right, so I chose Alhambra, um, which there are many meanings of Alhambra. You know, it can mean, essentially it just means home. And you are building a early Spanish-style estate. And how the game works is that you get money, in a particular color, so it is yellow, orange, green, or blue. And with that money, you buy pieces of your estate. You know, you could build towers, you could build gardens, so forth and so on. And each of these buildings um, is going to require a specific color of money for you to buy it. I will say that one of the most confusing parts of the game is that you do not need the color of the money to buy the color of the building. Right, yeah, so, that threw me off. That threw yeah. me off as well. <laughs> so, you know, there are blue buildings. There are green buildings. You don't need the blue money to buy the blue buildings. You don't need the green money to buy the green buildings. It actually um, took me two rounds to, like, realize that I could buy the cards that were under the different types of money. So... But luckily, yeah. it's a, it was a quick game, so it wasn't a big deal. Oh, it was quick when you played it? That's good. Yeah. Well, we played online. <laughs> Board so Game Arena, so. Yeah. <laughs> it was, like, all scripted and really quick, so it was nice. Yeah. So um, so we have our, you know, our money. We're buying the buildings, and then we're adding it to our Alhambra. Um, a couple of things that you need to worry about is that the tile that you place down needs to be in the correct orientation with your starting tile. And you need to be able to walk, imagine a little guy walking <laughs> from the new building to uh, your starting tile. Because some of the tiles have walls on them. A tiny um, Spaniard, right? Yeah, a tiny Spaniard, yeah. So do not, you know, do you cannot block off your starting area with a wall. Otherwise, that's an illegal placement. Um, one of the reasons why I like this is because it's a, I want to say it's a light game, but it's a medium weight game, medium to light game. Um, and it's a lot of rules thrown at you at once, but once you start playing it, you're like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Um, it gets the, I love, like, in Ticket to Ride, I love trying to get the longest road, so in Alhambra, you can try to get the longest wall. Um, so I love that aspect of the game, and I do love the, how the scoring is at random time, so you don't know when the scoring is going to come up. There are three scoring rounds, and they're shuffled into, like, one's shuffled in the, the top third of the deck, one shuffled into the bottom third of the deck. Um, and then at the end is when the tiles are done. Yeah, I I was actually... So I was playing on Board Game Arena, and I played separately from Jonah, so we didn't play in the same game together. So I was playing with some random people online, and I was in the middle of messaging... Jonah and saying, I don't know when this next scoring round is, and it popped up starting to score. I was like, when's the next scoring round? And then it just popped up in the middle. So it was neat that it was like random because I'm like, is there like a point that I should be like building toward? 
and I was trying to like add a color so that I would beat somebody else out for the scoring. Um, and literally right before my next turn, it scored. So I didn't get a chance, but I like, wasn't sure when it was going to happen. And I thought it was funny that you brought that up. So just wanted to add. of course. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, I love the scoring aspect of it and I just love the, you know, like, the little competitions of like, no, you can't buy that tower. I was going to buy that tower because um, the towers are worth the most amount of points in scoring. Now, I will say we own the copy that is the Alhambra Big Box, which has all of the expansions in it. How and, many are there? Oh, there are close to 15. Oh, my God. Uh, but they're not full expansions of how a normal board gamer would think of like an expansion. Like it. All the expansions only add like one more mechanic to the game. So they're not adding like too many different things. Um, So one of the expansions is change. So in Alhambra, if you pay the exact amount of money for a building, you get to take an extra turn, which is always fun. But if you don't, you don't get any change back. So you could end up spending nine money for a five building because you just don't have a five um but with this change expansion you do get the change back so you just don't get that extra turn so they're just little extra mechanics that they add to the game that's interesting because i feel like one of the main ideas behind alhambra is that exact change extra turn thing so the fact that they would add the change to it i guess people complained yeah. Well, I, I will say, I think Justin, I don't think the different, like you still get the exact change bonus, it sounds like, but I will say for me, when I was playing my game, I got slammed by other people getting like extra turns. And I was like, oh my God, this guy keeps just getting extra turns like over and over. And for me, it was difficult because like you said, sometimes I was spending nine coins for a building that was, I only valued at like five because it was the only card I had. So it was like, you're trying to build to exact change, but I think being able to do that and then still like you don't have to wait for that color of money to come back out by getting some change back would be a nice change. Whoa. <laughs> bum I did it. Uh, some of the other expansions are um, a vizier where you could buy like if a building comes out, you could buy the building at the end of anyone's turn. So so you wouldn't mm. have to wait for your turn to come up. And then you essentially use your vizier, and then you have to waste another turn later to flip him back over. Okay, that sounds really interesting. Uh, I I did think that the game needed a little more, so it's good to know that there are these expansions. Do you have a preferred combination of expansions? Can they all be combined? Is it modular, or is it only one? No, you could combine almost all of them together. But I do think if you combine all of them together, it gets way too way too many mechanics right it starts um, to look like a lacerda game so yeah. uh, what's your preferred combination <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> i like the callbacks the, the callbacks are definitely the uh, best part yeah. um one of my favorites is the uh, the gate buildings uh which is you get to build a gate on a wall that way if you can place like it's like you're like oh I really want that one tile but it has three walls and I just can't fit it on mine. You can just place down that tile then build a little gate right there and 
Now it works. Uh, so um, does it still count toward longest wall? No, because you broke up the wall. Now sometimes, well, sometimes you can close the gate and it's still a wall, people. No, uh-uh. Gates are not walls. They are two separate things. Gates are part of walls. <laughs> part, but not a wall. All right, whatever. I was just asking. I thought it was a valid question. Wow. Just, I'm getting shut down. Today. You are not getting shut down. Oh, my goodness. I feel, I feel shut down. Anyway, um, and then uh, definitely with the um, vizier, because it, it's definitely fun when, you know, you see, like, the one building that you have been looking for, and, like, you know that the next person's going to buy it. So you're like, no, I'll just take that, <laughs> but before you can get it. So can only one person have this vizier? No, everyone has it. And then when you use it, you have to flip him over. And then you have to essentially waste another turn later to flip him back over to do the ability again. So if it's the end of someone else's turn and Ben and myself both want to use our vizier. It would be the person who's, who's coming up next. Next in turn order? Okay. Yeah. I think that one sounds really, really cool because that happened to me a couple times where like the tile I wanted popped up and I was kind of wishing, I guess you could say I wish there was like a reservation system, I guess, in the game a little bit. Like if I couldn't afford it yet, I wish that I could have pulled it to the side and like had to spend maybe double the amount of whatever color money to get it later. So the Vizier sounds like it would help reserve i mean you still have to buy it but it sounds like it is kind of that reservation system that i was looking for so that sounds like a nice addition yeah that sounds really cool because i felt i had so many wasted turns just you know trying to amass wealth in the game you know oh i'll just take these two cards that add up to four dollars was that really a great turn but you know if you can use that vizier when you have the money and then waste a turn later i think it would work out really well yeah that sounds nice i like it yeah one thing i don't like about the well one um one aspect of the game that i think is a waste of your turn is when you can buy a building and then put it off on the side yeah i um, never did that no one ever i've played the game plenty of times no one ever ever uses that function the reserve or whatever right i did it but did i win? did it so I did it. No, I didn't win, but I <laughs> me neither. That's why I, I did it under confusion with board game arena. So for some reason, I thought and maybe I just misunderstood the rules video I watched when I was learning the game. But I thought that you were like if you had something in the reserves, I thought that you were able to like shuffle around your Alhambra, but you're really only allowed to move one. Right. So I was like. And it has to go where the old one was. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so I I was trying to, like, I picked up a building that would have extended my wall a lot, but I was trying to remove one to throw that in. But on Board Game Arena, the second that I removed it, I couldn't do anything else. Like, it was a wasted turn to move it to my reserve. I think that is an action, isn't it? Yeah, but it didn't give me the ability to put, I thought it was like, take one out, put one in. Uh, but it's yeah. take one out, and then another turn, turn put to one put in. one in. It is... So, so bad. Once I realized that, I just left that stuff on the side <laughs> and didn't touch it because I thought it was like because the rules video said you can shuffle your you can use an action to like rearrange your Alhambra. Well, rearranging means like moving stuff, like not yeah. just moving one off to the side. So I think it was just a poor um, word choice. 
But uh, yeah, once I realized that, I didn't use it. But I did bring a tile in once or twice because it had a lot of walls. Like I needed a U-shaped wall. So I bought and put it on the side because I couldn't put it in at the time. And it did help me. Uh, but I came in last, so it didn't matter. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that you uh, came in last. but So as a non-listener of this podcast, Nadia, uh, it'll s- surprise you to hear that I lose almost every game I play uh, by a lot. So it's okay. I'm used to it. I am really surprised. I just want to say for Board Game Arena's sake, I really like the premium stats that Board Game Arena has. Yeah. So they track absurd things in these games. So at first when I... So to be a premium member on Board Game Arena is $24 a year, which is well worth it for their good games that they have on there and the great UI, except there's no undo button which is a problem in some games but when i was first a premium member i thought oh cool i can see how long i think in my games because you know it'll show you thinking time for each player so you can see you know am i wasting my life thinking hard about things that don't matter but there are a bunch of other really interesting things that they track so in alhambra they actually track actions gained from exact change spent so you can see in your game, who gained the most actions from doing that. And there are a bunch of other track things too. But with that being the core idea behind the market, in my head at least, it was cool to see that the person who won the game got 17 extra actions from doing the exact change thing. I came in second and I only got 7 extra actions, and the person behind me got 13 extra actions. I don't know how I beat him with 6 fewer actions, but it's cool that that's tracked on Board Game Arena. And then in my game, I was annoyed to learn that the guy that made us sit around for an extra five and a half minutes during the game won the game. He had 18 minutes of thinking time and the next closest was 13 minutes and I had 11 minutes. So like this guy was just sitting there doing nothing for That's a solid other thing. four minutes. He was and, thinking. Like, well, yeah, he I, was thinking. He was thinking for three and a half minutes in Alhambra. <laughs> So at one point I clicked skip this player's turn and the second I clicked, wow. I clicked, yeah, I was getting annoyed, but he went into the negatives by a minute. Like it times you and it gives you a certain chunk of time and it adds like 30 seconds every time you f- finish your move. So it like builds up and gives you more time, I guess. But at one point I clicked skip this player's turn and the second that I clicked that he made his turn and I was like, this is really annoying. Three minutes is a lot of thinking time in Alhambra. Yeah. It's a lot of thinking it, time in a lot of games, to be honest. It Not is. It's a Lacerda game. <laughs> Got him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, so uh, I I also, like Jonah said, there's no real like real undo button. And I wish there was because sometimes like I took a card that I realized I could have taken a better card afterwards, but like it only gives you like two seconds to undo what you're doing. And like you can't get your mouse there in time. But that's a fault in board game arena, not Alhambra. Yes, yes, yes. Nadia, are there any things that you don't like about Alhambra? Like I said, that reservation system is just so bad. It, you know, <laughs> there is <laughs> there is absolutely no reason why uh, it should be one of the aspects of the game. Um, if you're not able to completely rearrange your Alhambra, I do think that would be too powerful of a, of a mechanic to completely be able to rearrange your Alhambra. Um, right. Like the whole thing, not just the one and one and one go. Yeah, uh, to to 
yeah, to rearrange that, especially when you have people who are fantastic card counters and go, well, we've flipped over X amount of cards, so the scoring's yeah. going to come up, and so let me spend my turn doing this. Um, but other than that, I, there isn't much fault to it because it's not that heavy of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with your heavier games, you could kind of find more fault with things because there's so they're much that so needs yeah they're, they're yeah. trying so hard to to make the mechanics work to justify it being you know a four and a half hour game right you know but when this game's you know it's an hour you put it on the table you know you're done right yeah i mean that it reminds me of what i dislike about shia like i can i can succumb to randomness for you know half an hour an hour or whatever but when i'm just doing random stuff for four and a half hours, it overstays its welcome. So Alhambra, yeah. it knows what it's going for, and it only takes an hour to play, or even less, so it's great, right? Yeah, I will say, I, I think that's one of the great things about most of the things that Queen's Games puts out, is they they know what they're putting out. Right. <laughs> Do you have a preferred player count? I like it at four. Um... Six is fine when you... It plays up to six? It plays up to six. Oh my god, I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, six is fine if you play with people who can play fast. <laughs> yeah. Because again, your turns are very short. So you do not want... Like Ben was uh, alluding to earlier. You you don't want ten minutes but before you go again because the other person is thinking. Like you either buy a building or you pick up money. That's it. Those are... Your two best options. And you only need to be able to count to 12. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? Sometimes counting's hard. Well, we know Ben's brother can't do the math in Steampunk Rally, so... (laughs) I won't tell him you said that. But I do like the money mechanic where you can either pick up two that's less than five or, you know... More oh, than can, five? Can you? I forgot about that rule for the first half of my game, so I was picking up, like, at one point I picked up a one and I hit confirm. So I picked up, <laughs> I literally was picking up, like, one dollar at a time. <laughs> so I was, and then it was like, pick another card or confirm, and I, like, actually read it. I was like, wait, what? Does and Board Game it, Arena track completely wasted turns? <laughs> <laughs> you could just assume that all of my turns were completely wasted. I hope you spent three minutes thinking about that grab. I I want to add, just going back into like mechanics that we like about the game, I know that, Nadia, you mentioned the scoring being at random points, but I also liked the actual scoring system. I thought it was neat that the first scoring round, only the leader with like the most number of that colored building is scored. And then in the second round, the first player and the second player get points. And then in the third round, the top three get points. I thought it was nice that it like expanded upon the scoring because in the first round, it's like a race to get ahead with one. But then I was looking at what buildings the other people had in their Alhambras throughout the game. And I was like, oh, these like follow up scoring rounds, I can, you know, just tie somebody or like just edge ahead of somebody and still get points, even if I'm not in first place. So I like that they expanded it instead of like just going for it all at the beginning and like keeping it that way throughout. It lets you ramp up throughout the game as well. Yeah. It also, the scores also ramp up a lot. Like the last round, you're going from scoring like seven points for being in first place to like 19 or like 21 or something, like something high. It was really cool. So Yeah. And, yeah. and it's actually a, a strategy to then 
um, stop people from getting as many points as like they are. Yeah. It's like, oh, I I only need one more garden to to deny you, you know, ten points, and now we we have to split five because. Yeah. I can right. see, you know. Yep. How many gardens you have? Gardens. I always go for towers. I I towers. always go for towers. They gotta come out though. They do have to come out. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, they are going to come out. I mean, that is how the game ends is, you know, all the tiles are out. So <laughs> That's true. Not as the expert, Ben. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. Just depends on what round do they come out on. That's true. Got to push your luck. <laughs> all right. Well, Nadia, I think that's about it for Alhambra, right? Yeah. Why don't we move over to your topic choice, which I think is fantastic. Board game conventions. Board game conventions. Now, what is a board game convention, Nadia? It is a place where Ben and I spend a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but other than that, oh my God. it is a pl- it, like it depends on what kind of convention it is, actually. Um so your standard board game convention is going to be a place where you can see a whole bunch of board game companies and they will be showcasing new games that they have. Um, other companies will be showcasing their board game accessories. So Wormwood's there with their tables and their dice. Um, there's a couple other you know, board game tables. A couple gaming chair companies will be there. Um, and... The biggest one in our area uh, is is going to be PAX Unplugged, and there's spots for you to sit down and try out so many different board games. Yeah, and the the trying out of games is fantastic because they have such a wide variety, not just in terms of types of games, but in terms of stages of game design, which I think is really neat. They have games that are, you know, really at the beginning stages where you can help a designer with their game that they're making. They have the playtest area, which has some stuff that's on Kickstarter now, but here's one of their pre-production copies that you can try before you back. And they have the completed games that just hit the market that you can really try this fully-fledged game and see how much you like it, if you want to go and buy it. And yeah, it's really a great experience for all of that. I just wanted to quickly ask, have either of you seen Parks and Rec? No. Yes. So in Parks and Rec, there are these two characters, Tom Haverford and Donna Meagle. And there is an episode called Treat Yourself. Yep. And (laughs) what they do is they go around and they debate purchasing something they don't need and they turn to the other, and the other one says, treat yourself. And that is the two of you at <laughs> board game conventions. It's dangerous. I mean, that is how Ben got me to buy D6. Um, yes. You know, he, he, he took me over to where they were at PAX U, and like, he's like, oh, look at this board game. I just backed on Kickstarter. Do you want to do it too? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> The real issue is when we get to the dice. It's like, why are we looking at dice that are this much money? And do we need D6? 
these dice and then we're all like yeah we need these dice we have not bought the really expensive sets the ones that are like four hundred dollars per set no but then then we both backed the wormwood (laughs) dice kickstarter and you text me you're like oh look at look at this combo of dice and what materials they are and i'm like wait but i already got this combo and they're so gor- we do it aren't they gorgeous dice? Aren't they gorgeous uh, yeah, dice? Yeah, I'm still waiting for my turquoise ones, and I added a whole set of the Eldritch Pact to my pre-order <laughs> after the fact because the 1D20 that I ordered was so, so nice. Do they, they are- roll better than cheaper dice? We'll find out when I actually roll them. <laughs> I have rolled them, and they... Well, I... I am lucky with dice. I have dice luck. So. Oh my god, so much dice luck. That's right. It's crazy. Um, but just to talk a little bit back about what Joan was saying about the developing games, another board game convention in New Jersey is called Metatopia. Um, which I is, don't know that one. It is strictly for people who have an idea for a board game and they want to pitch it to oh. board game companies. And, oh. they, and you can have people... Um, do your very basic demo copy. So, I mean, this is like where you're playing almost with like paper and cool, you know, like coins because they don't have all of the bits for it yet. Um, so it's a really beginning stage of it. I helped send one of my friends to Metatopia for a couple of years. Cause he has a couple board games that he's pitching nice. um, to companies and other types of conventions that I've gone to and liked um, games workshop used to put on games day which is Warhammer, um, a wargaming miniature game. Isn't there and a Dexcon or something? Dexcon, uh, BGG has theirs. Um, Wizards of the Coast will normally put on a Delve for when they have a new um, edition of Dungeons & Dragons coming out. Um, so you, we can play test that. When I went to that Delve, that was interesting. Which um, edition was coming out? Was it 5th it was, edition? No, it was 4th edition. Okay. Um, was and 4th we, edition the one everyone hated? Except for me, yes. Okay. <laughs> but but I love 4th edition. Um, Wait, Wizards of the Coast does D&D? Yes. yes. I thought they did magic. They do. They do both? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> My god, they are printing money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they are. Um, but, so, I went to this board game convent, or this delve of, of Dungeons and Dragons, and it was smallish, you know. There was about maybe five thousand people in total, and I could count the amount of females like on one hand. Um, and like they're like, "Oh, you know, do you know how to play Dungeons and Dragons?" I'm like, yeah, I've been playing since I was in high school. Um, did you woman explain? I did not woman explain, but I had plenty of people telling me how to play my character. Um, and like I'm like, you realize I taught my my husband how to play D and D. Like like I introduced that to him. But I still love the delve because it was just a full day of playing Dungeons and Dragons with a whole bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, Nerdy voice actors. <laughs> let me let me push up my glasses. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's so many board game conventions around, and even if there isn't a board game convention, there are board game aspects to the bigger comic conventions um right new york new york comic-con has gotten huge um but they still have a whole floor of the jacob javits sometimes dedicated to board games i think pax unplugged actually spawned out of a different 
convention because they just kept making a bigger and bigger board game space and they're like you know what whatever fine you guys can have your own giant board game convention yeah and we love it yeah it came out of the pax video game convention right 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 yeah Yeah. i really enjoy at pax unplugged the free play area as well because you know they just set up a huge amount of tables so you can just bring your own games and play with friends and it's also just such a great gathering of people from all over the area that you can you know make new friends there and just they have all these signs where you can put up and say looking for teacher looking for player and you can join games with random people it's great if you're ben and you have a friend like me who just talks to everyone and is I was annoying say, you're the most outgoing person i think i've ever met yeah so conventions are really great for me because well, rude. okay rude <laughs> I haven't walked around with you to the point where you're talking to people saying, whoa, do you need a teacher? <laughs> like Jonah walks up to people and says, do you need me I see me people to looking teach? at a rule book with a confused look on their face and I know how to play the game. So why yeah. not offer my services? And Jonah's a fantastic game teacher, by the way. Thank yeah, you. I agree. It's because I practice on these randos at conventions. I give them the crappy <laughs> teach to give you guys the good teach. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But there's so many aspects of board game conventions that it's and, and, and it's for all ages. You know, I bring my son. Um, Miles has been begging to go to another board game convention. I have been, too, for, you know, <laughs> yep. please he's, make it end. He's like, why, why? Why haven't we gone to a convention like Miles loves conventions? Although I will say the one bad thing about board game conventions is that just like with females and like they're like oh like you don't know how to play a game they do the same thing with kids and you know miles being uh paul and my son we've been playing board games with him since he was like three so he gets like kind of difficult mechanics of board games and like they give him like a game like Candyland, and he's like yeah that's boring (laughs) like i don't i don't want to play this simple game you know he's turning into a snob like me and ben (laughs) Hey, you're the snob. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to go around these conventions with you guys. It's fun to go around with Miles and like see not necessarily like the simple kids games, but like the new kids games that are coming out. This is like a totally different topic, I guess. But like just seeing like the new kids games that are coming out and like how much they are adding to them mm-hmm. and how it's going from games like Candyland, where it's just literally pulling a card and moving. Right, there is like, no player agency in that game at all. Yeah, <laughs> but like to some of these newer games that are like way more involved, or at least like look way more involved from just visual from a visual perspective, like they're really adding a lot more to that. It feels like they're adding a lot more to that segment of the board game industry lately, um, which is really neat. Uh, so it, it was cool to go around and see you know, some of those new style games and then go around and doing the treat yourself thing. <laughs> and uh, just one thing I want to touch on is the most fascinating moment of any board game convention I've ever been to was when Jonah and I got to oh, play no. a board game with uh, Isaac Childress. Oh, yeah. The designer of Gloomhaven. I was afraid since I was involved. Um, and we were playing this game. Uh, Magna Storm. Magna Storm. And we were all like looking at this rule book in confusion. And then Isaac just picks up this rule book, reads it for like 15 to 20 minutes, puts the rule book down and then <laughs> teaches us the game like flawlessly. It was wild. 
<laughs> so that's a brain that really spawned cool. Gloomhaven. So yeah, but like you get to meet, you literally get to play games with game designers. You get to walk up to these booths and like demo games. That's where I bought Silver and Gold because I played Silver a demo and Gold. Of Silver such and gold. a good, such a good so game. Good. Yeah, so good. So yeah, these conventions. I mean, a lot of times, me being me, I go to these conventions having already backed kickstarters for some of these games and it gives me a chance to see a kickstarter prototype in action and say like oh this actually looks good or maybe someone will say we have a kickstarter coming out soon and i know what to look out for it's great i really miss it i want to go back i hope that uh conventions pick up where they left off when things are kind of back to normal so like, oh, the mini I like, painting we'll say, classes, oh, nadia yes the mini the the, the paint and takes um yeah. Yeah, you know whether such a cool idea it is, you know, and like Games Workshop does it, um, who does Warhammer again, with their Citadel paints, and then um, Reaper does it with their paints, um, which is just yeah. Reaper paints. I, they don't have another <laughs> like name for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's neat. But sorry, it, you were saying before. Don't know now. Oh, it's okay. it's the fine. train of thought has left the station. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh no, yes. Now I remember what it was. Um, if you can, if you've never been to a board game convention, try to go all three days, um, because trying to fit everything in one day is going to be very, very hard, difficult. and and you won't be able to get the full experience of the whole board game convention. Right. You need a day to soak it in, a day to actually play stuff. And then a day to do both. Shop. Yeah, to shop. To shop. Don't forget shopping. Shopping yeah. is very you can't important. Forget shopping. It's also cool to see all of our, you know, little mini celebrities in this hobby. So, you know, seeing the guys from Shut Up and Sit Down at PAX Unplugged is cool. Seeing Tom Vazel there is really cool. Philip Millman. Philip Millman. Oh my God, my hero. It's too bad I don't have a Facebook anymore. Is he still alive? And yeah, he's still on. He's complaining. Well, I wouldn't say complaining because it's a valid criticism, but he's complaining that Gen Con, which is like the big board game convention in in Indianapolis. How did we miss Gen Con? Um, wow. Okay. Well, I was going to bring it up, but I didn't know if you were like leaving it out for a reason. Nope. I just um, forgot. But they scheduled the first. So they're doing an online Gen Con, a pop-up Gen Con, and an in-person Gen Con this year. Um, and the first night or the first day of in-person Gen Con is the first day of Yom Kippur. And Philip Millman, being Jewish, was criticizing that they started it on Yom Kippur, which is a valid criticism. We don't get any respect, so, you know, yeah, nothing new. There are a lot of conventions that sometimes book on holidays. And, and it's like, yeah. what are you thinking? Like, when they book on Yom Kippur or Easter or Father's Day. I'm um, not going to lie, and I'm going to sound maybe terrible here i don't care if they book them on christian holidays because that's what people cater to in this world so like right you know what fine but like nobody even looks at a calendar for other religions to see when their holidays are they just book them so and that's my one blurb on it because i'm not even like a really religious person it's just like it's happened all my life and it's like vaguely annoying or like no it's no it's very annoying so yeah don't downplay it it is father's day uh wizard world uh in a in a philadelphia i actually have a fun story about just booking something on holidays just as a really quick aside um when the mets moved to city field from shea stadium my dad my dad's a big mets fan and he was looking to get tickets and he was like he found these tickets that were like in the first row right off the third baseline and he's like wow these tickets are so cheap and he like bought them immediately he's like why are these tickets so cheap 
I'm going to buy them. And then he was like so excited. And like a week before the game, he's like, he was telling my mom, he's like, okay, we're going to go to this game. And she's like, um, my dad's like, these tickets were so cheap. And my mom's like, um, that's mother's day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why the tickets were super cheap. That's your present dear. <laughs> well, he I was mean- like, he was like, do you want to go instead of Ben? And she's like, no, you can, you guys can go. <laughs> you two went out and celebrated your mother. Yep. <laughs> that is so bad i mean like at least like father's day like is like a little bit of a slide because you yes. know it is for him yes. you know i i took paul to not board game convention just a regular convention uh for father's day so like it made sense because it was for him but yeah yeah but that was that was just a really quick funny aside about booking things on holidays but yeah gen con is the big board game convention in the united states uh the big big one i've never been to it i'd like to go um I don't know if I don't know if Nadia, if you've been to Gen Con. No, I haven't. Uh, The biggest issue is the the a group of friends that goes they drive. There's no way I would want to drive. That's a schlep. What is it like? Ten hours? Fifteen hours? I think like fifteen. My God. Um, As someone who's driven to Florida, yeah. Yeah. As someone who's driven to Florida and back a few times, I don't really mind. So maybe I would try and do it the next time they go. But I've never had the chance to do it. I think that's my issue. Is that when I was younger, we used to always take road trips so like you know i've been to california three times in a car i've been to florida i don't three even times know times in a car from new yeah. jersey yes oh my dear god, god. i've been to, you know like when, when i was younger we went to florida multiple times a year you know mm-hmm. car car ride and back so i think i've just i've paid my dues like like i don't want to be time after time yeah, yeah in a car that long again um one As a thing, disney pass holder oh um, my god I- <laughs> No, I just torture Nadia with this because she loves Disney. I'm not a pass holder anymore. I will be when they can. When they, oh, so that bumper sticker on your car is, is worthless? I'm going to tear For it now. off next time I Don't see it. Don't tear it off. I want it. I'm going to cross out the P. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. <rude>. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I will. Yeah, no. Road trips uh, to conventions happen. Uh, but I have not taken the one to Gen Con yet. You know, there's a lot about Gen Con that I like. I like how many different, again, aspects of the board game um experience that that they do allow and how much even um I'm going to say from the crafting aspect of it you know you could take a leather book binding class you could take a chainmail cool. class cool. the one issue i have with it though is that everything comes at a cost yeah um oh really and you need gen con is everything. yeah you need tickets for everything and gen con is kind of getting too big for its britches and they don't have enough spots for um for all of their classes so it's like all right i'm gonna spend an additional 25 bucks on this leather bookbinding class but i need to make sure that i get up at like 3 a.m when they open up the tickets for it so that i get a ticket because if you go to gen con unprepared you are not going to be able to go to the classes that you want to go to that's ridiculous i mean that's something that i really like about packs unplugged is that you don't have to be prepared you just rock up for and now. walk around. I mean, who even knows what now is yeah. with when the next convention will be. But, you know, all these game demos and stuff, it really is just walk around and play this game, talk to this person. If someone's playing the game, wait your turn. And, you know, yep. that's all it is. Yep. The only thing that I wish I could go to Gen Con for is being that crazy person who runs and runs and runs and then gets in line at the Kingdom Death booth to try and get their Gen Con stuff. But... It is what it is. Do they have special stuff there? Well, they only go to Gen Con 
and they release like totally new miniatures for Gen Con. Um, and they're usually half the price at Gen Con that they sell them for on the store. So they're like cheaper and cool. And I don't know. It's a fun thing, I guess. All right. But one day, maybe. I want to go to Essen someday. That would be really cool. Yeah, Essen's In Germany, the big... that's the biggest one mm-hmm. in the world. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that one sounds cool. And that one, I think, is like all about playing the games. It's not yeah. as much of like a shopping experience because, you know, it's not in America. So I've read some really <laughs> cool things about going to Essen because Germans are big board gamers. And I read some trip report of someone going to Essen. You know, they were talking about the games they played because they weren't out yet. And it's cool to read about those and they were saying that they just like sat down at this table with these three German grandmothers and got their asses handed to them. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, I would love to go back to Germany for any reason. So why not make it a board Same. game convention? Yeah. I've never been to Germany, so I would. It's a good time. It's a very good time. Conventions are good times. I'd like to go to another one. That is it for today's episode of Jonah and Ben Play Board Games with Friends. Nadia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Yeah. Great to see you for the first time in a year as well. I know. Oh, I can't wait to be fully vaccinated. March 29th. Can't Ooh, come soon April enough. 10th, April 10th for me, though technically April 24th with the extra two weeks. But after that, we could play some games. That's right. I. Uh... It's also nice to see you not in a Target parking lot. That's right. <laughs> Lights on. Not dark at night with a strange briefcase. But, but it was during the day. No, no, no. I know you guys met late at night <laughs> in the right. back corner of a parking lot. Okay. You're making this sound really bad. Ashley, if you're listening, stop listening. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, says the person real quick who, when I went over to his house like a while ago, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry to his brother. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. She's just very loud. <laughs> And wow. like, I'm like, do you realize how that sounds when he just walks downstairs and we're just standing next to each other? <laughs> you were being loud and he I woke up. Not- we were both being loud. We were yelling about board games. Anyway, when you say being loud, it's not just talking. It has other normally. connotations. Yeah, it has other connotations. Okay, well, but this no is a family-friendly con- podcast, no, so no we have to sign off No connotations here. Just, it's nice to see you not in a Target parking lot. Yes. And thanks to Louisa for the great music throughout. <laughs>